Well, good morning. Welcome to Cider Ridge. My name is Jason. I'm privileged to serve here, senior pastor. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us online. Before jump into today's message about what we're going to be participating in, I want to just, one, express a word of appreciation to you. I had uh, surgery on my elbow a little uh, over a week ago. Uh, many of you have sent uh, emails, text messages, cards, uh, giving me well wishes and prayers, and so I, I thank you for that. Uh, it was interesting last week to be at home uh, with my arm all wrapped up and propped up on a on a, you know, three or four different pillows and ice on it as I listened to Todd's sermon on pain last week. So uh, as I was, you know, just about to pop a pain pill, I was, you know, no, it was a profound message. If, if you did not, uh, weren't here last week, I would encourage you uh, to, to go listen to Todd's sermon. It might be one of the most consequential sermons uh, he's ever preached. And I don't say that just to, like, you know, suck up to him, but um, this, this thing of pain and how much we try to minimize pain. Uh, not, not that anybody, we, we wish pain on anybody by any stretch of the imagination, but pain tells us something. Even as we come today and we name our, our emotional pain, our pain around losing loved ones, that says something. And the Spirit of God speaks to us in the midst of our pain. And so I'm going to invite you today as, as we spend just a few moments, I may be pretty brief in my words this morning before we transition uh, to, to lighting candles and our All Saints, to just come fully as you are to this moment. There is, there is no needing to clean anything up. If you come today heartbroken over lost loved ones, that is okay and good and proper. If you come grieving people that have been uh, lost, that you lost years ago, mothers, fathers, siblings that have been long gone, it is okay to still grieve them. The Spirit of God uh, meets with us, and Todd's sermon really reminded us of that last week, that God is with us in the midst of, of grief. So as we've been leading up to today, we've been uh, using the language of saints, saints being uh, really any common, anyday person that, that has had a profound encounter with Jesus, somebody who has, has seen Jesus, met Jesus, had a vision of Jesus, gave their life to Jesus, and that changed the course of their life forever. And, and so we've named a couple of ones that throughout history, the history of Christianity, have, have done some remarkable things, uh, whether that was giving of their lives literally of Perpetua and Felicity to, uh, to others that are kind of un, unknown, as we heard about St. Damien of Molokai last Sunday from Pastor Todd. But it's all been leading us to this moment where we not only name the saints of our church, this year, we've lost six members uh, in our congregation, but we also light candles and honor the saints of our own lives that have passed away. As I mentioned, those our mothers, our fathers, our friends, our siblings, our family who have passed. To, so to spend some time kind of preparing us, I want to I invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 1. It's on page 949 in your pew Bible. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 through 23. And this is Paul within Paul's opening words uh, to the church of Ephesus. Hear these words beginning in verse 11. In Christ we have also obtained an inheritance 
having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people to the praise of his glory. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, and for this reason I do not cease giving thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that, God, the, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the working of his great power. God put this work, this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I remember the first um, funeral I ever attended. I was, I was probably the age of my youngest son, right around nine years old, and it was uh, a relative that I had never met. It was my, uh, my father's uncle, so my great uncle. And, and so I knew stories of him, but I had, maybe I had met him when I was little, uh, but I have no, had no memories of him. But, you know, you do when a family member passes. Everybody, you know, the family gathers. You load up in the vehicle. You make your way uh, to the, the funeral home. And I remember walking into this funeral home as a nine-year-old and seeing the casket that was up front, and it was surrounded by those, um, those you know, those tall kind of gothic-looking lamps, and it was very dark in the, the funeral home. And I remember we made our way, as, as you do in funerals, you stand often in a line, and you come in front of the loved one who has passed, and you stand there, and silently you pay your respects, or perhaps you say a prayer for the family. And I remember looking at him, uh, and, and seeing him in a suit, and with a peaceful expression on his face, and then you turn, and you see the family who's standing there ready to greet you. And I remember shaking hands of family, that, people that were told that, you know, I was told these are my family members, but I have no idea who they are. And as a nine-year-old doing the awkward handshake where, you know, your hands limp. And trying my best to extend some sort of condolences, as, you know, a nine-year-old can, can say. Probably, I probably said all the worst things you're not supposed to say. And I remember just this deep, deep sadness in the moment that in this casket lie a man that I never knew, but my family did. My, my father knew him and told memories of him. And I remember feeling in that moment, even as a nine-year-old, 
the finality of that moment. This man's life had ended. But did it? You know, death is, uh, for Christians, is, is, is this, we have as Christians this fundamental belief about death. And as Christians, our belief about death is that in somehow, in some way, we can't fully articulate it or wrap our minds around it. We believe as Christians that when Christ was on the cross and he experienced death himself, took his own last breath, was lowered into a tomb, that in somehow in his resurrection, even death itself was defeated. One of the earliest creeds of the church, a statement of faith is what a creed is, is found in in the Apostle Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 15. We read this every Easter, and, and the Apostle Paul raises a question, and it's this question, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Now, this doesn't mean that we as Christians believe we don't all die. We will die. All of us, at one point or another, we will go through the valley of the shadow of death. It is inevitable. But what Christians believe is that while we believe we will go through death, death is never the final chapter to life. I remember uh, then as, a, as an adult, as a, as a pastor, one of the first funerals I ever uh, officiated was at my first church I ever s- served in, in Finley, Ohio, Howard United Methodist Church, and, and I knew nothing about funerals. I didn't even have a suit yet. That's how kind of, you know, young I was, and so I show up to this funeral having never done a funeral before, and so I'm meeting with the funeral director, you know, a little bit before the funeral starts, and and having a great conversation, and then, uh, you know, he said, are you coming out to the cemetery? I said, I think so. I think that's what I'm supposed to do, and, and he said, well, he could tell that I was a newbie, and he said, well, why don't you sit with me in the, in the hearse uh, as we drive out to the cemetery, and I was like, oh, that's wonderful, because I, I, didn't, I didn't know that there were processionals you got in uh, to a funeral, and so I sat with him in the front of the hearse. The loved one, the church member, was uh, placed in the back of the hearse, and we made our way to the cemetery for the final internment of, of her body. And I began to ask the funeral director, you know, he, he had been at this for quite a long time, and I asked him a question, you know, just, you know, trying to break the ice, asking about memorable moments in his career, and he shared some of those. But I asked him a question about, is is there in his mind, uh, and he was a Christian, and I knew that to be true, and so I asked him, I said, is there a difference in your experience between a Christian funeral and a non-Christian funeral? And I remember his words very clearly to me. He said, "I I have done hundreds, if not thousands, of funerals. And he said, whether it's a Christian or a non-Christian, both are equally tragic equally painful and equally devastating for the family and friends. But, he said, 
A Christian's funeral always has a twinge of hope. See, we as Christians, we're a very peculiar people. We don't fear death, not because we we think that somehow we're immune to it, but we, because of what Christ has accomplished in his death and his resurrection, we view death through a particular lens, and that is the lens of hope. Hope is, is a kind of a hard and interesting word these days. Inflation's rising, pensions are being depleted. There's political strife and violence. We're all kind of holding our breath past Tuesday. News anchors and medical doctors are warning us of a tridemic. There's war in the world. There's threats of nuclear war. There's devastating effects of climate change. Hope does not seem to be the word that is at the tip of our tongues right now. Our church lost six saints this year. That's nothing to say of our own struggles and sufferings and the loved ones that you've lost. So that word hope honestly seems a bit superficial in moments like this, or dismissive even, kind of this, well, God must have a greater plan, which makes me cringe when I hear that. It's not that I don't believe God has a plan, but it minimizes how we, it minimizes people's pain and we gloss over their suffering. So when Paul speaks of hope as he does in Ephesians, he's not glossing over suffering. We hear often from the Apostle Paul the pain he's been in. He's honest about his own suffering. But rather, Paul in this text in Ephesians, he roots hope into some fundamental truths. First, hope is rooted in Jesus who danced with suffering and death. Which is to say, Jesus is with those who suffer. Again, I would encourage you to listen to Pastor Todd's sermon from last Sunday. And then secondly, Paul roots hope in this truth. Hope is marked by an unchangeable seal of the Holy Spirit. Remember what Paul later will say in Romans chapter 8. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, he says, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor living things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hope is marked by an unchangeable seal of the Holy Spirit. You and I and all the saints we will name today have been marked by a seal that nothing, even death,
can separate them from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Thirdly, hope stems from this enlightened heart that accepts this free gift of grace, what Paul calls a glorious inheritance. And this inheritance has, it's kind of, it has two sides to it. On the one hand, it's very temporal. It's about the here and the now, and it is also eternal. It's about what is to come. It's a both and type of inheritance. And this glorious inheritance that Paul speaks about is what I just mentioned in one and two. The hope that Jesus is with us in suffering and the hope that we have that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit and nothing, even death and tragedy and pain can separate us from the love of God. That is where we get hope from. So what's this mean for us on this All Saints Sunday and for our loved ones? It means everything. It means what we hope for now on the temporal side of eternity, for them has already become reality. They are experiencing the fullness of Jesus, fully, without any distance or limitations. Or as a writer of Hebrew says, which is repeated in Revelation 14, they now rest from their labors on earth means they've received their glorious inheritance, this unbroken love of God, wrapped securely for all eternity in God's love. For us, it means that today, as we grieve, which is necessary and appropriate, we grieve with hope. And we know that we don't grieve alone. Jesus is with us. And I love how Paul ends these final words in in his opening. He calls Jesus the head of the body of Christ, which is the church. And then he says, the fullness of him who fills all in all. We, together, are the fullness of Jesus. We are the body of Christ. And so when one of us goes through hardship, pain, and grief, losing a loved one, it is the church, the saints who are sitting here now, who surround us and hold us and encourage us and challenge us to to get up another day, even when it's difficult to just get out of bed. The grief is too hard. It's the cards we receive in the mail. It's the hugs we receive from people. It's the food that is prepared for us so we don't have to think about cooking a meal. It is the sitting with somebody and just listening to their grief. Not trying to fix it, not trying to gloss over it, but just sitting with them. That is the fullness of the body of Christ at its best. So this morning, we are going to name the saints of our church, members of our congregation. And then later, you'll be invited to come forward and light some candles in honor of loved ones who have passed. We call this, as Pastor Todd used this word, liturgy. It is, it, liturgy just means the work of the people. It's what we do together. 
And so what's going to happen is uh, Catherine Wiley, who is our lay leader of our church, she's on our leadership board. Her, her role as uh, a lay member of our church and on the board is to be a liaison and a connection to constantly keep our eyes focused on caring for the people of our church. And Kenyatta Hardy, our director of congregational care uh, and connections, they're going to come and begin this time together. Uh, we're going to name the, the six saints, the six members of our church who have passed away. Pastor Todd and I will light candles in their honor. You'll hear a bell rung uh, as, their, as uh, their life continues to reverberate in the love of God. When their name is read, if you know that person, I want to invite you to just stand as their name is read. And then after the candles are lit, you may sit back down until the next name is read, just to stand in solidarity uh, with the, the family uh, and with the person who has passed. Then we'll have a time where our choir will lead us in some uh, music, and then I'll give us some directions uh, for communion. So I invite you uh, to take a posture of prayer as Kenyatta and Catherine lead us this morning.